Hello and welcome to St. Paul's United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike, and it's great to have you with us. Our church, if you want to visit us in person someday, we are located at 531 West Main Street in Cherokee, Iowa. Our uh, worship service is at 1010, and we have Sunday school at 9 o'clock. You can learn more about us by going to our website, CherokeeMethodist.com. There you can find our most recent bulletin, a year's worth of newsletters, and you can learn about different events that are going on in the life of the church. In addition, you can watch a live service or recorded services by going uh, from our website on a YouTube link to our YouTube channel. Now today we are concluding our sermon series on the book of Acts. We've been looking these past several weeks over how the first century followers of Jesus had to rethink their faith, how they read scripture, and their view of God in light of the surprise ending of Jesus. Many followers believed that the new revelation of God in Jesus meant that they had to rethink everything, including the role of the Jewish law, said to be given to Moses from God. Many, but not all. Some felt that they could fit the revelation of Jesus within their Jewish tradition as they had previously understood it and keep their law, and make everyone follow it. These two sides disagreed vehemently, and we saw this on full display in the sermon of two weeks ago on Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 is the central point of the whole book. Everything builds up to it and then flows from it. Briefly, if you may recall, Peter, Barnabas, Paul, and others met up with James, the brother of Jesus, and many other elders and apostles, to hash out and come up with a solution to the controversy of the century should non-Jewish people have to follow the Jewish law. And they hash this out, and ultimately, even though the Scripture is clear all over their Scriptures that the law is an everlasting covenant without an expiration date, they chose to de-emphasize those Scriptures and instead follow their experience, that they experience the Holy Spirit working in these non-Jewish people and they decided that they did not need to follow Jewish law. That is very profound. They allowed their experience to overturn over two millennia of how they interpreted their scriptures. That's pretty bold. That's pretty liberal. So, unfortunately, such a controversial decision could never stop all debate. Controversy and debate continued to brew until it hit another boiling point in today's scripture. All is not and never has been rosy in the first century church, which was embroiled in controversial debate from the very beginning as people could not agree, even back then, on what it meant to follow Jesus. Now last week we'd left Paul in Athens on his missionary trips, and he continued to go on many missionary journeys to start churches and encourage churches that he had established. And although Paul is the almost exclusive focus of the latter half of the book of Acts, He's not the only one involved. Many others were preaching and starting churches, but the author of Acts wanted to focus on this debate, which centered mostly on Paul. Why did they want to focus on this? Well, because it was the defining debate of the century and influenced much of Paul's writings in the letters. If we don't understand this debate, we don't understand the true context of the New Testament. Now, as I said, some controversy has been brewing. Paul is heading back to the Jerusalem church again to share the good news from his missionary journeys and also to give an offering of money that he had collected from the different non-Jewish churches to help out the church in Jerusalem. He hoped that this would create a sense of peace between the groups. 
Some people warned him not to go because they felt it would not turn out well, but Paul was determined. So Paul arrives in Jerusalem and he tells the good news of his missionary work. And then James, the brother of Jesus, the one who was instrumental in the decision that Gentiles did not have to follow the Jewish law. James is worried, for he knows that controversy continues to brew. And he tells Paul that there are some Jewish believers who are still passionate about the law, and that there was a rumor that Paul was teaching that Jews did not need to follow the law. This is partially true. But James is a peacemaker, and he offers a way to dispel this rumor. He knew of four guys who were going through a Jewish purification ritual, and he told Paul, go with them, pay for them to shave their heads for their ritual, and then people will know that this rumor is untrue because Paul follows the law. Paul does this, but it doesn't work. See, some people had seen Paul hanging out earlier with a non-Jewish person in town, and so a rumor started that he'd brought this non-Jewish person into the temple, heaven forbid, which was against Jewish law. So a riotous mob ensues as Paul is grabbed and beaten, and things become so violent that soldiers have to come in to stop the riot, and they arrest Paul to find out why a riot has ensued around him. And then the rest of the book of Acts focuses on Paul as he speaks in front of many people to share the gospel as he goes from one prison to another. You see, he appeals to Caesar, so they have to take him to Rome as a prisoner. <laughs> he had wanted to go to Rome, but not as a prisoner. Now, the interesting thing about the book of Acts is that it leaves us hanging in the end. At the end of the book, Paul is in Rome on house arrest for years, awaiting trial with Caesar. But that's where it ends. It doesn't tell us what happens. But this is where church tradition comes over, takes over, I should say. Based on Jewish historians and other Christian writers, <clears throat> the general belief is that eventually Paul was tried and then beheaded. He wasn't crucified because he was a Roman citizen. Romans only crucified non-citizens. So that's why Paul had a more quick, merciful death, a beheading. Now, some people say that Paul never got out of Rome, that when he went to trial, it didn't go well. Others say he was released and did some more missionary work before he was eventually imprisoned for the last time. We're not sure exactly what happened. But I'm guessing that like Jesus, he was viewed as a troublemaker in a time when Rome had many people causing riots. Maybe he refused to recant what Rome viewed as a faith that caused controversy and riots. We don't know. But what we do know is that it all started because Paul was too inclusive. This whole thing started because he was too inclusive. He welcomed too many different kinds of people into the kingdom of God, and he didn't place enough conditions upon them to make others who disagreed with him happy. He firmly believed that Jesus had revealed a God that was completely different than the God he thought he had known all his life. He once wrote in a letter that after his world had been turned upside down by Jesus, he considered everything before, everything he thought he understood about God, all of his Jewish upbringing, training, and knowledge as trash compared to knowing Jesus. A fitting summary of Paul's life and passion and mission is in Philippians. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of some mind. And if you think differently about anything, 
This too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. You know, it's amazing how words take on a whole new meaning when placed in the context and knowledge of what was going on for Paul. Paul died because of a debate within the church and the ways in which people in the church who disagree with one another treated one another. And unfortunately, the church has carried on this tradition throughout history to the present day. <clears throat> the Crusades, colonialism, a number of things where people say, you must agree with me or die. Did you know that people actually fought about the proper understanding of things like baptism and the Trinity? Hard to believe, I know. But a look at church history will show both the very inspiring and the very horrifying. But through it all, God is working and doing great things, and people in the church have done great things. But the greatest atrocities of history have also been done in the name of our God or a God. And like I said, that tradition continues today. Your understanding of what it means to follow Jesus is different than another person's understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. Therefore, you must be an enemy, right? Now, for the most part, we handle differences of theology across denominations better than we used to, but we still tend to draw fences between those we consider in and those we consider out based on disagreements that we have over things that were never considered central to the faith anyway. As we head into the future, I think Paul's story is a good story to warn us of the perils of demonizing those with whom we disagree. Did you ever wonder if Instead of getting all excited and demonizing one another, both sides could have listened to each other in Paul's day, allowed for different points of view, and perhaps gone their separate ways if they could not reconcile. Well, that didn't happen. But sometimes it does and can. And perhaps if Paul's story can teach us anything about our current debates, it can be that although sometimes agreement on an issue is not possible, Treating those with whom we disagree as people who still bear the image of God can be. Now, we can take this teaching not only in the context of church debate, but all aspects of life, politics, family, friends, and you name it. No matter what it is, in your dealings with people, remember who they are and who you are. Children of God who bear the image of God. Amen. God bless and have a great week.